Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commanders beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson, and it is time to preview Thanksgiving Day. Logan, what's on your menu? What's on my menu for Thanksgiving? That's a really nice intro there, Craig. Uh, you know, I think. Um, uh, for for the food or for the football? What are we talking about here, Craig? I don't know. I just kind of figured I'd leave it open-ended and see what no, happens. I like I it. Yeah, I'd so, throw you a curveball. Yeah, so obviously I'm going to watch the game, and then I'm going to eat Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays because it's there's something about getting everybody in the kitchen, like hanging out you know, with the family and stuff that I really enjoy. It's like a little different than Christmas, you know? It's, I don't know, I just, I really enjoy Thanksgiving. Maybe it goes back to like high school when you have practice in the morning if you're in the playoffs and go home and, you know, have food or whatever so how about you man you, you do anything big for uh thanksgiving yeah we're just having a couple of friends over nice little friendsgiving nice. situation uh we're cooking i'm very excited about it i love thanksgiving food there's a couple of things that we eat on thanksgiving that i'm just like why don't we eat this all year round <laughs> like I, what like i'm a i'm a stuffing guy i love stuffing yeah, i think cranberry too. sauce is great yeah um, like cranberry sauce could be used to accent meals year round and we don't do it it's a very stupid <laughs> thing that we do as a society we have this delicious thing that we don't have that often um how do you like your turkey cooked? You know, I don't, you know, some people do the fried thing. I've only done the baked turkey pretty much my whole life. Oh, I mean, I've wow, been to, you're missing out. I know. Well, I, I've been to, I've been to houses and they've done the fried. And um, I don't know. I feel like I just put so much gravy and cranberry sauce on anyway. Like I can't really, <laughs> you know, like I can taste the turkey, but it's like it's the, the dryness is a non-factor at some point, you know? Yeah, no, the gravy and the cranberry sauce. Just everyone's like, yeah, turkey's not that good. It's like, yeah, but it's a great vessel. It's a great vessel for the other stuff. Uh, yeah, no, I grew up uh, doing the fried turkeys uh, in, at my house. Oh, really? And it was, oh, it's, it's the best. Um, we don't have a deep fryer uh, now. So, on, you know, we'll, we'll be baking. And uh, Rachel does a good job of slathering up the turkey with butter. Uh, mm-hmm. And that that helps the dryness as well, obviously. So uh, that's, that's what's on the menu here, as well as obviously the football um by the way packers lions should be pretty fun too uh 49er seahawks at night uh so it's a great day of games uh but we will spend most of our day today obviously uh not talking about our menus and and breaking down the x's and o's of a green bean casserole or whatever you want to make uh but of this cowboys and commanders clash uh first though like let's let's go super broad big picture we always do this on our friday show uh on the radio and we haven't really done this a ton here but kind of asking what's at stake, right? Because there's so much so much talk around this game and obviously when you lose to the Giants, like there's a lot of there's a lot of consternation in Commander's land. 
Um, but I think you and I agree that, you know, when we talk about what's at stake, it's actually not much um, in a weird way. way because, you know, everyone's like, oh, if they, get, if they lose, then Ron's toast. They, they should have fired him on Sunday. And, like, the shoulda thing, the woulda thing, the, you know, like, I, for what? Like, yes, it would probably feel good because it, it's like, oh, it's got to prove to the fans that, I, I, like, at the end of the day, if they make a, if they fire Ron now and then they make a bad hire in January um, and this team still stinks and no one's going to be happy or sad about the firing of Ron Rivera or Jack Del Rio or anybody else early or late. It's about getting the next move right. Um, yeah. And kind of with that in mind, like I, I actually don't, and knowing that you're not actually getting a head start, you're not doing any of that stuff that people, you know, want to claim that is going to happen. Um, I actually kind of think we're just stuck um, yeah. towards the end of the season. And is there an outcome on on Thursday uh, that if they're blown out by 60, that maybe they feel like they have to make a change, that he's lost the locker room or whatever? Maybe. But I actually don't feel like there's, sadly, um, because we're still in November, much at stake in this game. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think... You know, if I was the owner, um, I thought about this a ton. Like, what, like, what's the move? And I think ultimately, like, one of the things that I think Ron's done a good job of is kind of being a steward for the organization, a steward for yeah. the franchise. And I think this is part of that process. You know, it's like this is going to be ugly for him for a couple of weeks because he's going to get the questions about being fired every single week, and it's going to be tough. But I think this is ultimately like, you know, what like his job is. He's going to land this plane. They're going to make whatever decisions they're going to make in the off season. Cause I don't think there's a huge incentive or advantage to, to moving on from him. Like, especially at this point of the year, unless like you said, something really dramatic happens. And I even think it's got to be more dramatic than like a bad loss. I think it's got to be in the vein you of you have like, Allen and Payne fighting on the sidelines. again. Yeah. Something like that. It's got to be like uh, very obvious that the locker room is completely degraded. They're not playing hard for him anymore. And then at that point, they've kind of forced your hand and you got to move on. But I think until something dramatic like that happens, um, I think it's Ron's show. And I think, um, you know, I get to talk to Ron every week. And, you know, he's I think he understands that to a certain extent. Like he's he's been the ultimate pro, like answering every question and doing all the stuff on the shows that I do with him. So, you know, he's he's going about business as normal. And I think that's probably the right thing until the end of the season. So. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, um, and and the thing is, like, I had this conversation with Linnell uh, on the radio show on Tuesday. Oh, okay. I bet and, you that was a hot take right there. Yeah, hot take no, fest. but, like, it, I, I just looked at him, and I was like, what are you trying to save? Like, the season's yeah. over, um, and yeah. I hate that. Um, that's not good for us. Please keep listening, you know? Yeah. Like, people are like, oh, you, you guys love when, you know, obviously this happens everywhere, right? This is not special to D.C. or anything, but fan bases uh, often think the media loves it when teams lose because they get to talk about dysfunction. Like, no, I would love to talk about no. functional football. And trust me, our ratings would be a hell of a lot better. Our numbers for this podcast would be better because people are more invested if they were winning and we were talking about a playoff race. So, yeah. like, what I'm about to say is, uh, you know, not helpful to my cause. But the season's over. Like, and maybe, oh, no, 
the, the best thing that could happen to me now is that that becomes an old takes exposed uh, tweet in a couple of weeks, and they go they go on a, a five game winning streak here and make the playoffs, and who knows? Maybe they're awesome. playing well Holy and they cow. win win a playoff game. But like as as Michael Phillips has pointed out, um, they're closer to the number one pick than they are the playoffs. Like they're currently mm-hmm. at the seventh draft pick, yeah. and so you know I think you have to ask the question like, what are you trying to save? And once you kind of look at it that way, like. You know we're we're in a we're in a tough spot here, and so yeah. it is about as you said landing the plane, right? It just can you trust Ron to be a good steward of the organization? And through the last four years, well, he hasn't been the greatest football coach and hasn't been the greatest personnel guy by any stretch of the imagination. He has been a good steward, yeah. and and so I do think that you can trust him to hand this thing off to whoever is next. And I think. To a point when and and the the merits of this could be debated. I don't think we. I don't not really interested in debating them because it doesn't matter. But like some people will, like he he thinks that like he gets credit for that. Um, and to an extent he does. But like you know he he's already kind of laid the groundwork publicly for like oh I was the guy who drafted Sam Howell. I'm the guy that handed off the team in a good spot, and that's better than doing a handing it off in a bad right. spot. But like at the end of the day, your goal was to win, not to not to hand off a. Uh, a two or a three top 37 picks, you know, team to the next coach. That's not why anybody yeah. gets into coaching in the NFL. Um, but he is likely going to do that. And, you know, if you can trust him to to do that, you know, hand that ball off safely, if you will, hand the team off safely, there's no reason you have to make a move, even though it often feels like that in the immediate aftermath of a bad loss. Yeah, and I think that process started, you know, earlier this this offseason. You know, they didn't make a ton of moves in free agency. They got a ton of free agent capital, uh, you know, uh, you know, money kind of sitting around going into the next season. They've got great gra- draft capital. Like, whoever comes in is going to be able to do a lot, you know, do a lot very quickly with this organization. So I do think there is some merit to that. And he's handled, uh, you know, he's handled a lot of adversity as a head coach, you know. And um, like I said, like, say what you want about his tenure here coaching. But I do think that, like, there's he has overcome – a tremendous amount of adversity you know the COVID year the cancer um you know some of the coaching situations and it, it's just he, he's he's done that DA so, investigation and owner yeah. investigation under congress like the list the list is actually it, ridiculous actually insane so the fact that this thing is still like semi-upright and not totally on fire is is a testament to him and what he's been able to do so you know i think like he, you know we can give him that credit you know but during his tenure here he's been a good steward so i think just kind of finish it out man and, um, you know, hopefully keep fighting, hopefully get some more evaluation points for Sam and some of the young guys who are playing well right now and say, these, these are the pieces we want around moving forward. And then, um, and then kind of get into the off season. So I, I think, again, like, I don't think there's an, like, if I'm the owner, there's no, I can't see an advantage of, of moving on from him at any point in this season. There doesn't seem to be one outside of the, the crazy, um, you know, crazy scenario where the locker room is just totally done. But, you right. know, I, I'm not sure that's going to happen. So let me ask you this real quick, too, because uh, Linnell and I were talking about this, and I think you can answer it better than me. Um, obviously, if they did something, EB is the next guy. And the big pushback is you don't want to pull him away from the job he's doing. Like, he's got his hands very full. First-time play caller, first-time full-time OC, um, you know, designing everything without Andy Reid there with him. And that is a full, full-time job. And, you know, Linnell was kind of like, well, what does a head coach do anyway? Like, why couldn't he keep doing all that stuff? Like, 
obviously you haven't been a head coach um, and you haven't right. been an OC in the NFL, but like you've, you've worked with them. So you, you were inside for 10 years in the building um, besides the press conferences that I saw that, that a head coach has to do. Um, why, why does like that division of labor uh, become so much harder if you're a head coach and trying to be head coach and OC at the same time, where if you really are focused on letting EB develop Sam, that actually is going to be detrimental to that cause. That's actually a really interesting question. When I was in San Fran with Kyle, I remember you know he had basically built the staff so that he could still be the OC. And what I mean by that is he had like the the assistant head coach at the time was my tight end coach, and he basically would do all the scheduling. You know, he had someone that would kind of prep his meetings in front of the team for him. That was Mike McDaniel. Would kind of get all the the content ready for the meetings that he was going to prep as the head coach and as the OC. And I think like people just don't understand the time commitment of being an OC in the NFL. And then like the other kind of administrative element of being the head coach. And I think I look back to that staff in 17 when I was in San Francisco. And basically the whole thing was built offensively so that Kyle could do both. Right. And I think that trying to get that done in the middle of the offseason or, you know, the middle of the season basically is going to be a huge lift for anybody just from like a scheduling kind of um, scheduling standpoint mostly, right? And you got, and then all of a sudden, like depending on Ron's role, depending on your confidence in the defensive coordinator, like you have to oversee both sides of the ball. Like you're – I don't want to say you're like the quality control, but you're like the guy who's kind of checking in and being like, you know, how are we doing this? And you obviously don't want to overstep, but you do have a role in both sides of the football that can be um, it can be a lot. So I think it's just important to remember that it's not like like there is a you know you're basically like the CEO of the team, and that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of focus, and right. it would be drawn. It would be taking away from what he's doing with Sam, which I think is important to understand. Like I just go back to that seventeen team. Every every person on the staff had a function that allowed Kyle to be the head coach and the OC, and I'm not sure you could set you that can, up. You can't set that up now. Right. And the thing is too like. If they fire Ron, they probably also uh, get rid of Jack. And so now all of a sudden you've got uh, right. a, a first-time interim head coach who was, uh, until 30 seconds ago, a first-time full-time OC and play caller and someone who's never been in D.C. before trying to just, you know, we talk about landing the plane, like trying to figure out where all the instruments are uh, right. to get you through the end of the season. So um, that's, you know, on the what's at stake, like that's kind of it. Like we we both think that it's probably best to just land this plane and in terms of like playoff chances, yeah, uh, you got to win this game if, if you realistically want a chance. Um, but also, you know, if you lose it yeah. and, and you continue on the path that you've been on, remember this team started 2-0. and They are 2-7 and in their last nine games. This is not a good football team, unfortunately, this season, and especially as of late, they've lost four or five. You could be steamrolling towards top five pick. And in right. a loaded draft, um, there are worse places for a new regime to start next season.